Good morning, everyone. Love being the first speaker after Sarah. Uh, one thing you'll find is that I probably talk more quickly. I'll try to be good about that. And for all of you on live stream, looking forward to hearing what you guys have to say as well. So as Sarah mentioned, I'm Taryn Reichert. I work at Steelcase. Yes, we are a global office furniture manufacturer. So why is someone who focuses on offices speaking at something called office optional? <laughs> kind of ironic. Um, that's also because, as Sarah mentioned, we have a big R&D component that looks at the future of worker, work, and workplace. And we're 100 years old, which is utterly bizarre in Silicon Valley and pretty rare in the US. So we're also practicing what we preach. And we hit some bumps along the way, but we've also found some good successes that I want to share with you as soon as we can get the clicker to work. Here we go. So one of the projects I was on recently was about reinventing Steelcase's innovation model. And here are some numbers that I want you guys to think about for yourselves. So the first is, how many people were on my team? 15. We were across six different time zones, and we were together over the course of the entire project. Again, reinventing our innovation model 23% of the time. Now, some of your numbers may look different. They might be higher, they might be lower, but one thing's for certain, distributed work is here to say, and we think it's pretty safe to say it's gonna be increasing. So let's start with a shared definition of collaboration. As Sarah said, this is um, like remote, distributed, virtual teaming. It's a word that's gotten a lot of press and has a lot of different definitions. At Steelcase, we define collaboration as a shared effort by two or more people with complementary skills to create a process, product, event, or experience. And I'd also add service. So now that we have a shared definition, let's actually talk about those three different modes that Sarah mentioned that I was gonna talk about in the beginning. So the first is informative. The second is evaluative. And the third is generative. So I'll get a little bit more into what these look like and how you can tell them apart. Because for the most part, we think of collaboration as fairly indistinguishable. And that's often because we're cycling through at least two of these modes in any given meeting or event. But usually when we're going into an event or a meeting, there's one mode that is the predominant mode for that meeting or event. And being able to recognize what that mode is, is the first step in figuring out how to have effective collaboration. Or as G.I. Joe likes to say, knowing is half the battle. So we'll talk about knowing and then we'll talk about what do you do with that. So the first way you can tell what mode you're in is by looking at the activities that you're engaging in. So in the top right, when you're in an informative collaboration, you're going through activities like telling or showing information, much like I'm doing right now, and then asking and responding to questions. In the bottom right, when you're in evaluative mode, you're doing things like challenging assumptions, creating shared definitions, commenting on work that's already been done, and then oftentimes revising that work product to get to something better as a result of the experts in the room. When we're in generative mode, this is often the mode that people most often talk about when they talk about collaboration relating to innovation. We're doing things like ideating or brainstorming figuring out how do we capture those insights and ideas, oftentimes in a visual way, building upon those ideas, what we're calling arraying the information, this is often where the sticky notes come in, and then lastly, synthesizing, 
by clustering that information and thinking about what did we actually discover today? So if this is one of the main distinctions in the modes of collaboration, I'm gonna talk about another really important one. And that is complexity. So as you move from informative to evaluative to generative, you're increasing the complexity of those interactions by an order of magnitude. And the reason for that is in informative, you usually have one clear leader. By the time you get to generative, you might not have a leader at all, you might have a facilitator. You're also taking into account an informative that typically you're talking about something that's already happened. The end product has been completed, it's baked. In generative, you might be creating something that's never existed before. So why even bother trying to get to generative collaboration, especially across distance? Well, part of that is because value. That's where the value happens. It's also, I'd argue, where the most fun happens. But value, because in informative, really what you're doing is you're just kind of telling or sharing back information. In evaluative, you're iterating. So you are starting to get more and more value out of that. You're making something better together. But in generative, this is where you're solving the wicked problems, you're creating the breakthrough ideas. So we really wanna make sure that since we're less and less together, that we can do this effectively when we're apart. So this is a little bit of the theory, again, the three different modes of collaboration. Let's take a look at what they look like in real life. I did not follow any of you to your companies, I promise. This is a fairly representative picture of what informative collaboration looks like. So a little bit like today in a town hall, you've got somebody in front of the room, usually in front of a screen, usually with a PowerPoint deck, who's giving out information to the audience. The audience, meanwhile, thankfully today, is probably tweeting and asking questions and giving tips already, but officially and formally in the room, you get to ask questions and then typically it's the speaker who's responding. So it's kind of like a game of verbal ping pong. For evaluative, the screen goes away, you might get a flip chart or two, but you've got lots of work product that's already happening on the table. As you can see from the picture, there's not often a very clear leader, but you'll typically have just a few people who are the clear owners of the final work product. They're the ones who've convened the meeting in order to leverage the expertise of the people in the room. And then generative. Again, this is why it gets fun. You guys can see the different colored sticky notes, the pictures of customers up on the wall, the whiteboards, and you can see that everyone's kind of pondering things together. Again, no clear leader, but usually there's a facilitator that's responsible for the process and also the time. So we just took a look at what does this look like in real life where we're co-located. And again, um, as Sarah mentioned in putting together this conference, there is still so much value to be had when we're co-located. This is really what happens or helps you accelerate collaboration is bringing everybody in a room together. But we also just know that's not possible today. We're often spread across time zones. We're working across the world. We're working on different things at different times. So how do we make sure that collaboration when we're apart is just as effective as when we're together? In any mode. So, Here's where we typically go to first. We go towards technology. Are we gonna use GoToMeeting? Are we gonna use Hangout? Are we gonna use Sococo? Technology is extremely important, and as you'll hear later today, the tools are getting increasingly sophisticated, but at the end of the day, technology really addresses what I'll call the monkey problem. It helps us physically hear, see, and speak. 
really important, but also the basics. It doesn't actually help us necessarily have an effective collaboration. And that's because even though we've addressed the monkey problem, we've ignored the gorilla. So the gorilla in the room for collaboration is trust. And I know there's gonna be some more talks about this later today, but I cannot stress enough, trust is the single biggest differentiator between whether you're effectively collaborating or having a collaboration that's effectively a waste of time. So this is the thing we wanna pay attention to. Now, in days of old, when we were all co-located in a single office, we did this through retreats, ropes courses, dinners, drinks. But what happens when that's not possible to do that together? How do we do this across distance? Well, we found at Steelcase that the key here is embodying behaviors that build trust. So these are the habits that are done consistently over time in order to make sure that people feel seen, heard, and able to speak their mind. So if technology addresses the physical component, behaviors address the emotional component that builds trust. And not surprisingly, the behaviors are a little bit different for each mode. So let's talk more about those. So on the left, informative. Behaviors here are things like revealing. This is the behind the music. If you're telling people about something that's already happened, tell them a story of how you got there. Pull back the curtain a little bit. Pausing. That's where you can create space to make sure that people have time to ask questions, rather than waiting until that lame slide at the end of the presentation with a question mark. Let people do it in the middle. Checking, when people are asking questions, make sure you understand what they're actually asking rather than the question that you want to answer. And then lastly, inquiring. When people are asking questions, why are they asking it? What's important about that question for them? For evaluative, this is about reiterating, clarifying, focusing, and eliciting. And then generative, aligning people around the purpose, facilitating the, the conversation, the process, and the time, summarizing what you've really concluded that day, what you agree upon, what you question, and where you openly disagree, and that's okay too. And then finally, highlighting the unique contributions of each individual. This is especially important when you're at a distance so that everybody feels like they were a part of the conversation. So now I would like to connect behaviors back to technology. I'm running out of time, and I don't know if there's like a big giant hook or Oscar music that happens at the end here, so I'm gonna go fairly quickly. The behaviors are at the top. On the bottom left are simple actions that you can take to support those behaviors and create what I'll call behavioral requirements for technology. So for informative, make your speaker visible. We all love to show the PowerPoint, but if you can't see the face of the person who's delivering news, it's super hard to trust what they're saying. GoToMeeting, I mentioned it earlier, really effective for large groups and with one camera, making sure there's no bad seat in the house. Evaluative, big thing here is you're leveraging the expertise of the group, but you're also evolving the content. Make sure both are visible simultaneously. So Coco's gonna talk later today, this isn't a product placement, but they are awesome. Um, one thing they've done particularly well is spatialize the group experience so you can see where people are located. Generative, make the intangible visible. All those beautiful insights and ideas, capture them visibly so you can revisit them later. Murali is the best at this that I've seen. They're gonna be talking later, but essentially they take the sticky notes off of the wall and put it into the window of your laptop. 
It's real-time generative collaboration in a way that we haven't seen from anyone else. All right, so here's the takeaway. It's the 21st century update on an old grammar rule, which is the best collaboration, be it I, E, or G, solves for behaviors before technology. So take that little rhyme away with you, and if it helps, you can think of it as the gorilla before monkeys rule. Solve for the gorilla, then tackle the monkeys. So what now, guys? I had to do this. Go ape. Go crazy. And I really want to hear your stories. I want to hear what behaviors have you tried and prototype like Sarah suggested. What technologies are you using that you found to be particularly effective? What's working and what's not? So I'm Taryn Reichert. That's my email. My Twitter handle is at Taryn Reichert. And I want to hear from you. So thanks for your time and attention, guys. And I look forward to hear what you have to say.